Welcome to Ditch the Classroom. This is your host, Ariana Vernier, and I'm so excited that you're here. I'm a teacher turned business coach who is so passionate about helping fellow mamas like you ditch the classroom and pursue your big, hairy, scary dreams. Imagine a life where you could still impact the world, but do so while following your passions and spending more time with your babies. In Ditch the Classroom, we'll explore ways you can do just that. Myself, guest experts, and amazing teachers who have also built a successful business will share tools, tips, and resources to help you ditch the classroom too. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, y'all, and welcome to episode 10 of the Ditch the Classroom podcast. I'm super excited today because we have Laura Bowder here. She was a school psychologist, and she is now a podcast and visibility strategist. Um, So welcome, Laura. I'm super excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. So can we just go ahead and get started with you sharing a little bit about your journey in the school system? Sure. So I have a background in psychology and education. I got my bachelor's degree in psychology with a minor in education. I went on to grad school. I have a master's degree in human development and psychology. And then I got my education specialist degree in school psychology. So that qualified me to work as a school psychologist in public school settings for pre-K through 12th grade. So when I got out of grad school, we have to do a, a full year internship at, oh, wow. in a school psychology placement. Yep. So we're very prepared in, in like a real world experience um, coming out of grad school. So that is really, um, I think, a really good and important feature, much like teachers do um, student teaching is to actually take what you're learning and put it into practice because I think we all know it can be very different learning something in the classroom of your own college or university and then going out into the classroom or the school setting. So, you know, I felt prepared for going into the school setting, but I did do my internship in a different state than in the state that my husband and I ended up living in when we started working because we were kind of wrapping up our grad school experiences and then we moved to a different state. So, as I'm sure you and a lot of your listeners know, there are definitely big differences in education from state to state. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things that I really loved about being a school psychologist didn't necessarily go to those next states with me. I've been in two states now since since grad school, but I only worked as a school psychologist in one. So all that to say that there were definitely some things that were big changes for me, things that I didn't expect going to practice school psychology in a new state. And I really tried to adapt and adjust and figure out what was going to be best for me, what I could do to make my job fulfilling. And, you know, it wasn't, Of course, it wasn't unfulfilling 100% of the time, but it was definitely different and more stressful than I ever bargained for. And I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more about like what eventually led me to move out of it. But um, I would say there were just kind of little things along the way that didn't quite fit with my vision of my life and of my career in general. Yeah, you are right about the differences between states. I went to school in Michigan and now we're in Texas and that's where I've I taught for the years that I taught. So yeah, it does vary a lot state to state. It does. And with school psychology because there's so much so much of our job 
kind of hinges around the special education process. So there are consistencies because of federal laws that dictates special education. But within that, there's a lot of differences from state to state about what might qualify a child for special education. There's some differences as far as how um, prepared their teachers are, how knowledgeable the parents are, and just some different different processes, even down to like, you know, the way states handle paperwork and the way they review IEPs, just a lot of different procedural things that you kind of have to learn on the fly a lot of the time. Yeah, that's got to be really challenging. (laughs) (laughs) So can you share a little bit with us about what really led you to want to ditch the school system? Yeah, so It's interesting because like when I hear that question, it feels sad to me in some way, like, you know, the idea of ditching it because it was such a goal in my life for such a long time. And I think there are definitely ways to still incorporate the things that you love about education, even as you're feeling that pull to like go and do something else. And I think everyone obviously has their own journey to this and different reasons why. For me, I think my biggest reasons were something that I already talked about just as far as like my stress level and my workload. So school psychologists are kind of notoriously overworked. There are not enough of us to meet the needs of the amount of students that we have. Our National Association of School Psychologists puts out a suggested ratio, but we're always so, so far over that ratio. I think they suggest like one school psychologist for every five to 800 students. And I think my ratio was easily over a thousand to 1500. Wow. You know, every, everywhere that I was. So it just, it really makes for a lot of work and there are legal deadlines because of all the federal mandates on special education that have to be met. And there's also child find, which requires you to investigate whenever a parent or a teacher or a medical professional who shares their opinion with the parent suspects that there may be a disability. So that that's a lot of evaluations that school psychologists end up doing. And then they also have to participate in most of the meetings that revolve around that. So you have to find a lot of time in a seven-hour school day when the students are actually in school to participate in all the meetings and complete all the evaluations. So you usually end up, if you have to do like any kind of paperwork or admin work, you usually end up doing that at night or after school or on the weekends, which I know teachers are very familiar with as well, the, the take-home work that exists after you spend all day in the school. And so this, the stress level was big for me. The work-life balance was feeling increasingly out of control. And then in January of 2019, I had my son. So, you know, I spent the first, I guess, like the last couple months of the previous school year and then the first half of the 18-19 school year, I was pregnant with my son. And so trying to balance all of those things in addition to a pregnancy, which for all intents and purposes was a, a relatively healthy pregnancy, was kind of just a whole other level of difficulty and starting to think ahead to how is this going to work when I have a newborn? How am I going to balance all of this? And when he was born at the beginning of January 2019, like, you know, you have to report it to HR. HR gets back to you and tells you exactly what day, 12 weeks later, you are going to be back at work. Uh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and because public schools, you know, tend to have good health coverage, and my husband was working at a startup at the time, we were getting health insurance through my job. 
So I didn't really have an option about like when I was going back to work. I had to go back at 12 weeks so that we could continue to get our insurance coverage. I had a very difficult delivery and recovery with my son. So I was in no way for any number of reasons ready to go back to school. And probably because of a lot of different factors, but those included for sure, was definitely experiencing postpartum depression along the way. And so it all just got to be too much for me. I started, you know, I feel I felt undervalued. I felt um, overworked. And of course, my priorities had just shifted drastically with the arrival of my son. So I would say all of those things kind of work together to lead me to start thinking about other options. Yeah, I think there's a lot of listeners here who really the birth of their child or their pregnancy is what's shifted their mindset into, you know, this isn't really sustainable to live the kind of life I want to live. And we only get one life. You you need to enjoy it. And if you're just feeling stressed and overworked all the time, like there, you can do things to change that. So I love that you really felt that in yourself and realized, you know, I need something different. Yeah. And I think too, like, Education and teaching is very much kind of promoted as family friendly and you get the summers off or something like that. But during the school year, it's not particularly family no. friendly. And then, of course, there are still so many other things that you're you know, expected to be doing or feel like you should be doing over the summer that I feel like it's never really a complete break. But yeah, I just I think in general, like our whole education system could really use an overhaul. And I'm actually very interested to see what kind of happens in the wake of the pandemic and education. Yeah, me too. I hope that it changes for the better because it really it really needs to. We've already got a teacher shortage and I can't imagine it improving anytime soon unless there's things changed. Exactly. <laughs> what would you say was the biggest challenge or thing that you had to overcome as you decided to leave the school system? I think there were probably two big things that I really had to overcome. Like when I was talking to my husband about what I wanted to do and the fact that I didn't want to go back, like we kind of had this very hard break point because we were moving and we were moving states. So I would have to have tried to get a new job while this pandemic was going on. So I wrapped up, you know, the end of the previous school year was the year that we were completely home for the pandemic. So um, I was still working virtually from like March through June of 2020. And then we moved in June. And so I didn't want to have to try and job hunt and be a new school psychologist coming back in the fall of 2020 to try and pick up the pieces of all the evaluations that had been left over that literally just felt so overwhelming to me that I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't wrap my head around it. And so my husband was very supportive of that and letting me kind of figure out what I wanted to do. So I would say that it wasn't so much I had to overcome any kind of objection from him, but it was just a very different experience for me to go from a world of education, like pretty much my entire life revolved around education from being a student and then going from that into working in the schools. And something that I've had to overcome, first of all, I think would be going into the business world where you have to kind of market and sell yourself and sell your offers and put yourself out there is a very different experience to working in like the special education team that I was very used to. And so the other thing that I would say that was very different was time management. 
mm-hmm. which I always prided myself on being very good at managing my time. But I think I'm very good at managing my time within a structure that is already given to me. Like I know when the legal deadline is for this evaluation. So I'm going to work backward and make sure that I have set up along the way ways it's going to be done. Or like in school when you have a syllabus and you know the due date, so you just figure out how much work you have to do when to get it done. When you're an entrepreneur and you have your own business, there's really nobody around telling you like this has to be done at this time. You have to do this here. You have to, you know, go talk to this person and get this done. And it feels great because of the freedom. But then you start, or at least in my experience, you know, I start to realize I'm not getting enough done or not seeing the results that I want. And it's a very different time management, (laughs) just like way of being in my experience. Yeah, that's, that's a common one that I've seen that was an issue. I mean, personally with myself, I had to train myself like how to set deadlines and just get things done. But that's been a similar issue with some of my other guests I've had on. So that's definitely an episode I'm going to be recording soon is time management. Oh, good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So maybe even before this episode comes out, that one may come out. So we'll see. <laughs> but I know that's really important. And that's, that was a big struggle for me starting out as well. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want to let the listeners know a little bit more about what you do as a podcast manager, because I know about it, but I know some of the listeners are like, I didn't even know that was a thing. So can you kind of tell us some of the tasks that you do for your clients? Absolutely. Yeah. So I got into podcast management because actually of my experience that I went through kind of as I was going back to work and dealing with like all things new motherhood in addition to balancing a career and experiencing postpartum depression was kind of like my catalyst in some way to put myself out there because I'm a school psychologist. I had a background in psychology and I didn't really recognize that that's what was going on because I was so focused on trying to like juggle all the other balls and keep everything in the air that I kind of was neglecting myself. And took way too long to address that issue and really seek help for it. So I wanted to start a podcast because I listened to tons of podcasts while I was on maternity leave and you're up all hours of the night and, you know, need something other than listening to a baby cry. So I listened to so many podcasts in my maternity leave and I was like, this is going to be a great way to reach other women who might be experiencing something similar. So I started a podcast that was interviewing other women who had gone through a similar experience and just sharing stories. And it was really wonderful and really healing for me um, just to be able to have those conversations and share them. So through that, I kind of made the shift then from having that podcast to just sort of realizing how fun it was to podcast, how great it was to be able to connect with other women. I started joining like some Facebook groups for women with podcasts. And then that kind of spiraled into like more business Facebook groups and business podcasts that I would listen to. And so I was really starting to kind of pull all these ideas together from different places of like, okay, I can work from home. Like I can do something so that I can spend more time with my son and not have to have this really stressful job. And it finally hit me like, oh my gosh, like podcasting is something that these people with businesses are also doing. So maybe I can help them with their podcasts. And so that kind of started, I would just put myself out there in Facebook groups. And so while I was still working my school psychologist job, Um, I started a little side business in helping others with their podcasts. And so 
I did a little bit of editing. So when you have a podcast, you know, you are talking to the microphone by yourself or you're talking to somebody else, but most people will edit their episodes at least a little bit and they'll put in their music or whatever else that they want to add into their shows. So I did that for a couple clients. Another service that I totally didn't even have on my radar at all, but that people started talking about in Facebook groups was wanting other people to pitch them to be a guest on other podcasts. So I sort of just fell into that as almost like, you know, a PR manager or an agent kind of thing where like, entrepreneurs recognize the value of appearing on podcasts, but didn't really have the time to sit down and write out a bunch of pitch emails or reach out to people with podcasts and ask to be on their shows. So I started doing that for a few of my clients as well. And then once the pandemic hit and we were suddenly home, (laughs) I had more time on my hands and decided that instead of waiting until like the summer vacation to really try and build up my business, I would kind of try and build up my business simultaneously, which, you know, had pros and cons. So as I was doing that, I started bringing it into like a more cohesive offer of podcast management. So it's like podcast production. So editing um, was helping with content planning. If people were trying to figure out like, what are some good topics I can use to talk about on my podcast? And then of course, helping with like social media promotion, whether that's creating graphics or actually posting to social media creating like the little sound bites that you see on social media with the fun little waves going. So yeah, just pretty much anything you can think of that would go into a podcast, whether it's on the production side or the promotion side, like, you know, I've done, like I said, social media work, Pinterest work to drive traffic to a podcast. So there's all these different things that go into podcasting that entrepreneurs at some point will likely start to realize, okay, this takes a lot of time and my time can be better spent elsewhere. So they will want to bring on a podcast manager who can really focus on their shows. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. I really believe that podcast management, and you can probably speak to this more than I can, but I think it's a really growing area to kind of get into. And profitable because a lot of people are listening to podcasts, starting podcasts. I think it's it's just a growing area of the freelancing world. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely growing. It grew a lot like in the early months of the pandemic. And I, <laughs> I think, yeah, it exploded in like, I think April and May. There were just thousands and thousands of new podcasts. And I think that people are starting to see it as like you said, profitable, like a part of their business that they can really use to connect with people in a way that is actually going to then bring them into their business so that they make money. So I think people like entrepreneurs are starting to be more willing to put some money into their podcast production because they're fairly confident that they're going to see some return on that investment. Yeah, definitely. Can you share, are there any resources that really helped you in your journey through leaving education? Um, I would say probably the biggest things for me because it was sort of centered around podcasting is I did a lot of, you know, just Google searches for things that could help me out. I looked at a lot of YouTube videos Mm -hmm. and I, like I mentioned earlier, I participated in a lot of Facebook groups. So I really started making connections like while I was still working my school psychologist job, which then in some ways made it kind of an easier transition for me. The other thing I would say is that 
I did work with a coach and I started working with my coach in March. So like when I had, when I started pulling everything together and saying, okay, like now that we're home for the rest of the school year, I'm going to start to ramp this up. Um, I think working with a coach was really helpful for me because I have absolutely no business background at all. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of out there like, this looks fun. I don't know if I can do it. So I think having that support just in kind of getting my feet wet with the online business space and what marketing looked like and what I needed to do. And now marketing is like one of my favorite things, I think, because it's a good combination of psychology and this online business world. So I've moved, I started moving more toward like really offering a lot of different digital marketing offers and services because it's something that I find really exciting. So I think just to throw that out there that like you can always change things up <laughs> if you yeah. find something that you that you really want to do. Yeah, two things that you said that I want to elaborate on a little bit. I love <laughs> how you said you used Google and YouTube to figure shit yeah. out. Like that <laughs> that's, that's it. All about my listeners know Google your freaking heart out. You can figure it out. And in the areas where you're still like not comfortable even after you Google your heart out, invest. Like mm -hmm. your investment will always give you a return on your profit or a return on your investment if you put in that time and that energy. Yeah. I mean, if you just invest and expect it to work, it's magic on its own. It's not going to. But if you yes. have the passion and the drive to really utilize whatever you're investing in, whether it's a coach, a course, new skills, whatever, it's going to build on itself mm -hmm. as you go. So I think both of those are super important and super helpful when you're thinking about starting your digital classroom journey. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. And I think I think in general people are kind of hesitant to invest in things, but I totally get why, you know, coming from education, it's very scary to invest because, you know, we don't make a lot of money. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> we don't have a lot of money coming in from an education job and, you know, you can't expect to, you know, jump into the online world and suddenly be making a lot of money. But if you want to get there, there are going to be skills that coming out of the education world, we just usually don't have, you know, unless you took kind of a different route to the education world and you happened to study like marketing or yeah. <laughs> business or something like that. Um, you know, be you're an econ teacher, but <laughs> in general, you know, it's just a skill set that we can, we can have a lot of passion for different things, which is, I think, you know, the biggest part of the battle is knowing what you're really excited about and having a positive mindset about getting there. But there are still some skills that you're just, you're going to need some help with. And I've been super, super impressed with like communities of female entrepreneurs in the online space. Yeah, they're amazing. And there's so many resources out there that can help you when you're starting. So, yeah. Can you kind of walk us through what your average day looks like now? I love asking this question because then people who are thinking about this can kind of see, you know, a little bit of the time freedom. It might be a little wonky with the COVID stuff <laughs> going on right now, but I'd love to just kind of, you know, know what your day's like. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of people, you know, picture a very time free world with an online business. And there are definitely aspects of that. And of course, depending on what you do, there might be more or less. 
like you said, this is kind of a weird time for people with online businesses because our children are usually around more than they maybe otherwise would be. (laughs) And I'll also say too, like I'm very lucky to have my parents close by so that they take care of my son some days so that my husband and I can both be working from home because my husband also would not usually be working from home, but due to the pandemic, he is still working here as well. So we kind of are still all off with our schedules, but on a typical day, um, you know, I don't get up with the alarm at like 6am anymore and have to (laughs) shower and get myself ready and get my son ready and get him to daycare and find some time to drink some coffee and drive myself to work in the process. So that part is amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love not having to do the morning routine and the commute. Like we wake up, both of us are commuting like down the hall or down the stairs. We get my son breakfast and let him kind of play with his toys and do his thing. And then usually my parents will come and pick him up and take him outside or something like that. So things that I do um, during the day, I usually try and kind of block out my time so that either on certain days or certain periods of time, I know what I'm doing. I would say on average right now, and I'm still within like the first year of my business, so I probably don't outsource as much as I could someday, and I'm still probably doing more like, um, you know, direct marketing of myself and my services than someday I hope to, but I would say I still probably work like maybe six hours a day maximum. And there's so much flexibility just depending on what is going on. Like if my parents can't take my son, then it's very easy for me to say, okay, well, I'm just going to flip that around and maybe I'll do some of this after he goes to bed so I can be with him during the day. He's not quite two, so he still takes a nap in the afternoon. So I have a couple hours there that I can get some work done. And it just doesn't have that like constant hustle and stress that a school day does. And I know like for teachers, this is even more pronounced because there are days where like you don't even have time to take a bathroom break. (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) to just, you know, have something simple like that is, is so helpful sometimes. But so a typical day, much like school, I feel like there's really never a day that goes exactly as planned, but it's so much easier to shift things in general because there's nobody, you know, you're often not up against a legal deadline. There's nobody looking over your shoulder to make sure that you're doing this or you have this completed, this piece of paperwork or someone who's coming into your classroom to do an observation of you. So it's lower stress in a lot of ways day to day. Of course, there are some higher stress aspects of owning your own business. But I mean, like I wouldn't go back to what I was doing, knowing that this is the way it is now. And like I said, I'm still early in the process. So I can see a path forward where I have even more time freedom in the future, just between being able to outsource some things, shifting some of my offers, and just kind of putting some more systems into my business. So like, I see it getting even even better moving forward. Yeah, the flexibility is one of my favorite things about being in this world. Like you said, you still have work you have to get done, but it's not usually a set timeline where you have to be working these hours in the day. Like, yes, it has mm-hmm. to be done, but you can find pockets that work in your life. So your business is tailored to your life rather than your life being tailored to your job. Exactly, exactly. And you can, you know, you can be selective with who you're working with and you can be upfront with them about, 
I'm a mom and I have a kid and they might get sick or childcare might fall through one day. And like, I will communicate that with you and let you know, but just <laughs> that's going to happen at some point. And there are so many moms that are in the online space that usually you can either work with other moms who definitely understand or just be upfront with people, even if they don't have kids. I've really never had anyone, you know, give me any pushback about anything that I had to do for my child. Yeah. And if you did, they're not your people. Like you don't just move on. You don't need them as a client. If they're going to be a pain in the butt, you're, if you're looking to ditch the classroom and start something else, you don't need pain in the butt clients. Like you need clients that are just going to light you up and that you want to serve. So if they're not okay with your kids, then they're not for you. Exactly. So yeah, totally agree. If someone wanted to start their ditch the classroom journey, but they just felt really overwhelmed with the thought of it, what would you say to them? I think the first thing that I would say is um, I totally 100% understand. I definitely started thinking about, you know, ditching the classroom, ditching the public school setting. I started thinking about it probably before I was pregnant with my son and like seriously thinking about it while I was pregnant with him. And I think the biggest piece of advice I would give is just start small. Like think about something that lights you up and you can even go into some of the Facebook groups that are out there for female entrepreneurs and start to see like what people are doing. Like, I mean, I didn't really know podcast management was a thing in like the six years I listened to podcasts previous to 2020. And there are just so many different options. Like I said, like being in the online space, I've really taken an interest in digital marketing because I think it's such a cool combination of psychology and business. So there's probably going to be some shifts that will happen along the way as you get into your own business. But I think just thinking about something that really makes you happy and excited to get up and work and then starting small, like I started by taking on a couple of very small projects just to see like, do I like editing other people's podcasts? Do I like creating social media graphics for other people? And you can do that, I think, with whatever you might be looking to do is just take on a couple small projects, connect with people in Facebook groups or on Instagram who are doing something similar and ask them some questions about what they're doing and what their day is like. Listen to podcasts like this that are giving you some good ideas about what people are doing, how they've made the shift. I think it is overwhelming. We go to school for a long time to be educators and we do it because we're passionate about teaching and, you know, working with children and making people's lives better and all of those things that the public education system kind of has a way of like crushing out of you at certain points. But just thinking about what you're passionate about, I think is, is going to take you really far. And then just trying it out and seeing if you think it's a good fit for you. Like I said, I had some kind of like extenuating circumstances as far as like it wasn't really an option for me to stay in the job I had. Maybe if it was, I would have done a more gradual buildup. I don't know. But I think you just have to go with what you're comfortable with as far as like kind of mixing the two and then when you might want to make the jump completely into the online space or wherever you're going after you ditch the classroom. Yeah, I love how you said to just take those small steps and that you had a great recommendation of just like looking into those Facebook groups and seeing what people are asking for and see what sounds fun to you. It doesn't have to be something you already know how to do. 
especially if you've just been teaching, you might not know how to do these things, but a lot of them, like we've said, are not hard to learn and just Google or invest Mm -hmm. in a course that will teach you. But if it sounds interesting to you, then chase that interest, chase that desire to learn. As teachers, we're really good at always learning ourselves. Mm -hmm. So you you can figure it out always. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like we have a background in education and behavior management and all of those things that there's actually a lot of different ways to apply that in the online business setting as well. And yeah, we're just, we're good at learning and we're especially good at learning if it's something that we're interested in and we're passionate about. And so I just, I think that there's a lot of great opportunities for people who are coming out of the education space at this point. Yeah, I agree. So do you have any resources you can share with my listeners? Anything for them today? Yeah. So speaking of coming out of the education space, you know, when I left my job and moved and kind of started this whole new business, I was like, okay, I want to get away from public education and I want no part of this anymore. I want to do something completely different. And so it was really fun just like working with these female entrepreneurs who were, you know, coaches and course creators and service providers. And it was a whole other world. But as it kind of got into like the fall of 2020, so like when school would be starting up again, right, I kind of started feeling this pull of like, I'm not going back to school. And there's this part of me that is still really attached to education. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to see if I can make some connections with other women that are probably feeling like this. And so I created a Facebook group and it's, you know, it's not really a group with any marketing goal other than just to create a community for other women who are either currently still in the classroom, the education space, and they're thinking about making the move out or they were in the education space and they've already moved out into their entrepreneurial journey um, because I think we are kind of a unique group. We have this background that's like very much not business related, but I think we have a lot of similar characteristics in the way we kind of go about the transition from the education world into the entrepreneur world. And I think we're just, I think in general, female entrepreneurs are very supportive, but I think you kind of have like a shared experience coming from the education world going into the entrepreneur world that people who are kind of just like coming from corporate into the entrepreneur world may not quite understand where we're coming from. So I created a Facebook group that's specifically for us to support each other, talk about where we've been and where we're going. Um, And so the link for that is facebook.com slash groups slash entrepreneur edu. So that is available. And I would love if your listeners want to hop in and chat with us because I am building up that community, but it's been really fun to start to connect with other women who are kind of on a similar path. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'll make sure that your links are um, shared in the show notes as well. So people can access those easily. um, If they didn't catch when you said the link, Mm -hmm. where can people connect with you, become your best friend, see what you're up to? Yes, please become my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) So as far as my, my business goes for my podcast management and visibility strategist work, 
my business is Podcast Hers Media. So my website is podcasthers.com. And then I'm on Instagram at Podcast Hers. And for anyone who is listening to this podcast and thinking about maybe wanting to start their own or anyone who already has their own podcast out there, I also have a Facebook group for female entrepreneurs who have podcasts or want to start them. And so that link is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast hers. Awesome. Super cool. So I'm excited to kind of learn more because I've just started getting into the podcast space with starting this podcast. So yeah. I'm definitely going to be checking out everything you've got. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts, anything you want to share? I think I would just say that um, <laughs> I I never want to be like encouraging people to leave education, but at the same time, I totally understand why people want to do it. And I think that if it's something, you know, we've been discussing where you're just, you're not feeling fulfilled in this, you know that there are different things that you want for your life, really sit and think about it and, and see if there's something else that you think you would be more passionate about, if there are different ways that you can use your talents and achieve similar effects to teaching. I think there's lots of different ways to go about this. And just because, you know, we've been in school and went to school for teaching and have taught for however many years, we're never stuck. So I think that's, that's probably the most important thing is that we're never stuck and you always have a community that would, you know, support you and bounce ideas around with you as well. Yes, absolutely agree. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your wisdom with my listeners. And I just really appreciate you. Of course. Thank you so much. All right. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave a review and I will see you next week. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and review, and check out the show notes for a free gift to help you ditch the classroom. If you loved today's episode, can you help me share the message by taking a screenshot, tagging me on Instagram at ariana.vernier and sharing it with your friends so we can help more mamas ditch the classroom and follow their dreams. Until next week, y'all, keep following the dreams that were placed in your heart so you too can ditch the classroom.